0: Across the, across the margin podcast
1: Across the Margin, the podcast, where we take you beyond the margin, behind the scenes of the magazine, and deeper into the stories. I am the host of Beyond the Margin, Michael Shields, and today's podcast asks, what if your one chance to change the world means you have to leave everything you love behind? This question is one that lies at the core of a new young adult adventure and sci-fi novel by author Rhea Deeb, entitled Seneca Rebel which is the first book in the Seneca Society series. Today we will have the opportunity to speak with Ray Deeb about the novel, about all of her influences, about about her career in writing, and so much more. The premise of Seneca Rebel is, in the not too distant future, math genius Doro Campbell is introduced to the Seneca Society, a secretive technologically advanced subterranean utopia Dedicated to inventing and perfecting the most effective ways to benefit our, our planet. But there's a hitch. Like all that have come before her, Doro is given the, ult- the ultimatum. Stay in Seneca forever, or leave now with no memory of the place, its goals, and its inhabitants. She stays. Her, ideal- her ideals are shattered when, together with biotechnology biotechno- whiz Dominic Ambrosia... Doro uncovers profound deceptions beneath the surface of this all-too-perfect community. Will one teenage girl have what it takes to go up against the swarms of drones, psychological manipulation, and biological attacks to uncover the truth and change the trajectory of the world? So you might have uh, you might have heard us talk about Seneca Rebel before on this podcast and about Rhea, um, and that is because Seneca Rebel is the first release, um, of, under Across the Margins Publishing Imprint, uh, ATM Publishing, um, and while, while everyone who knows the site real well will know that we, we do not, um, the site is not geared towards young adult fiction by any means, uh, I was so taken by, by Rea's vision and, um, her passion for the project and the story and, and, and everything she put into it that, um, you know, when she did approach approach me about the novel, and we we began the discussion, uh, it it soon became a no brainer. I um I was all about working with her and, and, and publishing this novel, and um and I think you will see in, in this interview you'll 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 see that passion, and you'll you'll hear more about what um what we've been doing uh, with the whole Seneca project, and and you'll see why I do describe it as a no brainer. It was it's 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 been an exciting journey to say the least, um, with Rhea and with this novel, uh, and with the, with, with the beginning of ATM publishing. So, um, it's, uh, I, I do, I, I, have a long history with Raya. We, 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 we met in college, um, at Virginia Tech and, uh, and, and our writing journeys have, have always crossed paths throughout the years, even though we were on two different coasts and, you know, we've always fueled each other's fires, uh, uh within the arts and, and now and now there's this. So it's 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 been um it's been very exciting to, to help bring this uh magnanimous world of uh, Seneca to life. So so let's not waste too much more time. Let's get into oh but before we uh we do dive into this interview, uh I just wanna say that across the margin will be at the uh Brooklyn Book Festival. That's this Sunday. Uh we have a booth come through and see us if you're in the Tri-State area. Um, we will be selling um, the novel *Seneca Rebel*. Will be there. Uh, limited amounts, so come early if you're looking for that. Uh, and, but we have tons of other goodies to give away and, and, and to sell. So uh, that's the Brooklyn be- Book Festival downtown, Brooklyn Sunday, September 18th, 10 to 6 p.m. Rain or shine. Um, I don't know if anyone, if you, if if you, if you haven't been, it's 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 a truly exciting event. It's it pops off down there. It's a uh, it's it's kind of a literary nerds dream there's every publisher you can imagines there and it's just it's just a, it's just great time it's a celebration of the written word and, and we're, we're glad to be a part of it but uh, so now uh, now Raya Deed so welcome Raya to uh, beyond the margin it's uh, it's a pleasure to have you I'm so excited um, and, and me too in and, and one of the main reasons why um, not that I love all our discussions, but, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've gotten to know Seneca rebel so intimately, uh, you know, as, as the book came to life and, 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 through publishing it. And, um, I'm, I'm just excited for all our listeners to get an opportunity to, to get to know you and, and the book, uh, a little bit better. So, so thank you. And, and, uh, I've been looking forward to this talk for a little bit. Um,
0: yeah, I've been looking forward to it since I first listened to the. You guys did a podcast on sci-fi.
1: Yes. Oh, we got real nerdy with it on that one. Yeah, and I was like, "Ooh, I want to
0: go on a sci I want to go on a podcast with these guys."
1: Absolutely. I was. It was. Uh, yeah, Raja Khanna, I think his name was. He was. Uh, his book's great. You should read his book. I'll, I'll send it to you. I got a couple of copies. Um. So let's just let's start at the bottom. I want to like, I think a good you know good way for all our uh, listeners to you know, travel into the world of Seneca is through getting to know you a little bit better. So what, um, let's, uh, what, what were some of, how did you start out as a writer? What are your first writing experiences?
0: You know, my first, the thing, the first thing I wrote that I remember was, I wrote. I was really into Judy Bloom when I was in elementary school, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, Super Fudge! This is so cool! I can't believe a book can be so cool." So good um, tales
1: of the fourth grade. Nothing. I just I bought it. I'm gonna read it to my daughter soon. I'm so excited.
0: Like, how can this be so cool? (laughs) Like, why aren't there more books like this? And Mm -hmm. then just got into it, and I wrote. I grabbed some paper and a stapler, put a book together, wrote a book, illustrated it, and I sent it to Judy Bloom. No. uh, yeah, totally. It was like, what was that? Like the mid '80s.
1: Yeah, you couldn't. You and couldn't. You couldn't tweet her then.
0: No, no, no Twitter.
1: Yeah, um,
0: but I can tweet her now.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: On Twitter. And um, she, so I sent her the book, and she wrote me back. A, she sent a picture back of herself and signed it, and said, "Keep writing." So That's I was like, well, "Awesome." Oh, Good. Judy Bloom told me to keep writing, so I guess that means I have to.
1: <laughs> I love that. I, I mean. Talk about, you know, her influence just still lasting. I mean, it's probably something you still think of.
0: Absolutely. I love it. Uh-huh. And I still have that picture. Um, so, yeah, so that's the first thing. And then, you know, I just remember really enjoying writing and it never felt like school. You know, it yeah. always felt like we finally would get to do something really cool. Yeah. Right you,
1: you were always finding joy from writing. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's Making
0: a- up stories. Mm-hmm. And I really like, I loved fiction, you know? Yep. Um, and then I got super into movies and, you know, in high school, got a camcorder and that carried into college, Virginia tech. I studied film and and media Mm -hmm. theory and did some time at USC making short films. We made like I made five short films in five weeks, four were digital. One was 16 millimeter and we wrote, produced, directed, edited. I, I've cut on everything from like Premiere to, um, the little things where you turn the knobs and cut video. And I've yeah. sliced film on an upright moviola and taped it back together. And so, um, you yeah, know,
1: to, to go back to, you're talking about, you know, in college, the camcorder, I remember you, as I mentioned, the intro, me and Ray went to college together. Um, it was like the camcorder was glued to your hand it was you're always at it which is always documenting always always telling stories it was, it was, you know i i think i was just talking about it with you one time and you're like yeah that's why people are always running away from me yeah
0: totally <laughs> running away Good um, think we didn't had facebook back then right
1: yeah oh thank god um, <laughs> <laughs> for many a reason so i mean it sounds like you know you've always loved writing but you steered towards film a lot in, in, and I know just, I mean, there's a lot of things that I do know that I'm going to be asking about, but I want our listeners to get to know Ray like I do. Um, you got into screenwriting.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I feel like I love books, Mm -hmm. but I'm like movies. I'm such a visual person and, um, I just, you know, so, so in love with film. And, um, so I, I moved out to, Los Angeles after college. And uh, at first, I worked in production. I worked in production in DC. I got my first job from a really cool guy named Mark Lead, and he hired me in production on the Capitol 4th show. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the big fireworks,
1: extravaganza oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: happens. And, um, you know, I met some really great people in production, moved out to LA, stayed in production, realized I really, you know, what I really want to be doing is um, film development, creative stuff, and mm-hmm. working from the beginning. Um, stages of a script and, and see how that goes to um, all the way to getting made and so ended up getting an internship for a film producer named Fred Roos and uh, he you know, I mean he was making movies like Before We Were Born and um, you hey, know Big big like,
1: movies too, right? Friends, yeah, I know Fred's name uh,
0: Secret Garden mm-hmm. um, Barfly, Rumblefish oh, Black yeah. Stallion, Apocalypse Now Godfathers yep. Uh, you know, he, uh, um, Harrison Ford was his carpenter and he had, he introduced him to George Lucas and said, look, this guy should be Han Solo. And, He's responsible you know, for Han Solo. He is responsible for Han Solo.
1: Directly. <laughs> <What? laughs> <laughs> That's <Yeah>. amazing.
0: <laughs> and it was so funny because when I went in to have an interview mm-hmm. with him, he said to me, which film of mine is in the theater right now? And this was in
1: 2003, Okay. I think. And were you prepared?
0: Gosh, I did not know. I was like, he doesn't have a film in the theater. What's happening right now? And so it was like a trick question because it was um they they put Apocalypse Now back in the theater. Oh, uh,
1: was it the Redux one? Yes. Yeah. Oh, what was he throwing a trick question at you the first time? No, you he him? Loved yeah. it that I didn't
0: know the answer. Yeah, yeah. And um, but what no, that a, what was a, such
1: a cool. What an amazing person to begin to learn from and and get into that world through.
0: Um, it was priceless. You yeah. know. It was like graduate school because. It was better than graduate school. You know, people go to film school and they spend – they go in debt of like $100,000. I went to work for Fred Roos and, you know, I'm reading all these scripts, writing notes, talking to him about projects, meeting filmmakers that he's working with. And one of – two of them are Sofia Coppola and Francis Ford Coppola. Oh, wow. And that was like such a cool experience to like really get to work side by side with that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and Sophia, when she was doing Lost in Translation and like I got to read the script when she first sent it to Fred and, you know, get involved with the casting process of the role that eventually went to Anna Ferris.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, oh, how cool! And yeah, so that was really neat. And she was awesome and totally included me in things. And um, and then. Um, with Francis Ford Coppola, it was just like, you know, I read the script that he had been working on for like 10 years and ultimately he didn't make it, but it was called Megalopolis and, uh, you know, got to give him notes on it. And I was like 24 when that happened.
1: Giving Francis Ford Coppola notes. That's unbelievable. It was so cool, Mm -hmm. you know?
0: And then, and then he had all these meetings with different actors for the, for the script. And Mm -hmm. I wrote down like who I thought he should meet with and, and and a couple of them he did, and that was really neat. Wow. And then, uh, yeah, I got to go. He he invited me to go to a screening with him and his assistant. And so I went to Sony and watched Beyond Borders uh, with Clive Owen and mm-hmm. Angelina Jolie. hmm Empty theater, you know, with just us watching the movie, and then got to drive him around, and that was cool, you know, it's, like, in my car, and he didn't have a cell phone, we're in Los Angeles traffic for, like, over an hour (laughs) talking about filmmaking and writing, and, you know, got some really amazing advice on that, Um, so, yeah, I mean, that stuff is all, like, you cannot get that in film school.
1: No, no. There's there's nowhere you can go to pay for that to get that 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 type of experience, that type of advice. That's 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 crazy, really. That's that's what an experience.
0: Some of that advice, yeah, affected my writing forever and a book that Fred gave me, which was The Art of Dramatic Writing. Um by Egri, I, I think is this how you say his mm-hmm. last name. A-G-R-I. Is that, is,
1: is that um, based on is that geared towards screenwriting? the art of dramatic writing it's it's really okay
0: it's actually more um theater and um but but really what it is is because there's a lot of theater examples and shakespeare and this and that but really what it's about is character and the note that fred wrote in the front of the book it was a christmas gift is he said this is the only book on screenwriting you'll ever need and so I'm like, well, if he says that yeah. and look who he's worked with over the years, yep. I'm going to go with that. So he just gave I've read Bible. that book. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's all about character, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that has also had a huge effect on me. And, um,
1: so was it at this point where you were writing scripts or see, I know you mentioned, you know, writing notes for scripts. Were you writing scripts at this time?
0: I wrote my first script, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, while I was there. And then um, then I wrote another one, and that one got optioned. Because back then it was like, and I say back then, like it was so long yeah. ago, but it really wasn't. But options were really common, and now they're not so much. Um, but what, where somebody buys the rights to your script for a certain amount of time, like six months, 18 months. Mm-hmm. And if they get it made, then you get paid the additional amount of money that you're owed if the movie gets made. But if not, you get the rights back to your script.
1: Has that system changed? Is that not the case anymore? It's yeah.
0: In... I mean, there's so many different, different ways, ways okay. but, um, you know, I
1: always my, assumed that was still the case.
0: It's like, yeah, I mean, there's so many different ways that it can happen, but um, I haven't had an option in a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I know some great people, great producers that I work with, and um, they
1: just bring you, you in know, to work on the script.
0: They either, you know, I've been hired to work on scripts. Um, I've had, you know, all sorts of different kind of situations. Mm-hmm. Um, I had I worked with uh, a film director called Hani Abu Assad, who's a great friend of mine now, and um, he made a movie called Paradise Now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he came to LA, uh, he lives in Nazareth and he wanted to, he was working on a movie called The Courier. Um, I think it has Mickey Rourke and, um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was working on that movie and it was something that he was hired on, but it wasn't like a passion project. And he had a script that he had a dream of. One night, and he called me and he said, Come, let's write this. So I went over to his apartment. He was staying in um, somewhere over off La Cienega. Mm. And uh, in three days, he sat behind my shoulder and said his whole vision for this movie. And I just typed it so fast. The movie got made about a year and a half later. Oh, wow. And next thing you know, it was nominated for the Golden Globe Academy Award Best International Feature. It was like, so it was a really neat experience. Um, That's incredible. I've never worked on something that happens so fast. Yeah. Like, oh.
1: yeah, because I mean, there's there's certain situations where you know, from from the beginning to the end of the process, I mean, we, we could take a decade for something to come to life in, in certain instances. It's amazing to see it, it it come about so you know so quick.
0: Yeah, a couple movies that were on the shelf in Fred's office while I was there. One of them, I think, just came out this year called Dear Eleanor. It's Mm -hmm. directed by Kevin Connolly. Um, Oh, yeah.
1: Uh, That's uh, Entourage. Yeah, E. E, yep, yep.
0: Yeah. So So, I follow Jessica Alba on Twitter, and that's uh how I knew that the movie came out. (laughs)
1: You're like, wow, remember that one.
0: So happy for the writers because, you know, that was like – 13 years ago yeah. I remember and they were so dedicated to that script and it was such a great sweet script mm-hmm. and now it's a movie finally
1: that's amazing um, and, and, and uh, just you mentioned the word writers, uh, I always think about the collaborative effort of, uh, of screenwriting and how um, you know when you write something and you have this vision how, how much it can change from when you write it to, to what you see on the screen and, and I don't know. I, it, that loss of control, I think, would 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 be tough for me to deal with. it sometimes, is that has that that ever troubled you in screenwriting? I think about when when writing scripts. I'm I'm like, but it'll never be this way once once it comes to life. Um, it's gotta it's gotta be trying at, some, at, at times.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like where you have to separate from. Something like it's like having a baby and putting it out there in the world, and then it's eighteen and what's it going to do? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, there's a loss. In I don't know.
0: I mean, with a book, yeah, you write it's you write something and it is exactly what you want it to mm-hmm. be, and the person that's reading it is seeing your exact vision. But with a movie, yeah, I did. um, You know, I wrote, I got hired to write something about three years ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, not quite three years ago, but it was somebody, it was a director who had an idea, who had a story she wanted to tell. And she, um, a producer, Mark Myers, he's a really great guy I work with. He called me and he said that he had sent her one of my scripts as a writing sample. And she wanted me to write this script that she had in mind. So, um, I wrote it, she wanted it really fast. She had a budget in mind. I wrote it really fast, three weeks, wrote the whole screenplay and then, Mm. They shot the movie in Wisconsin like a month later, and I went out and I was there for part of the shoot. Um, It was super fun, but it was like really low budget, really tight schedule. Everybody was stressed out, and it was like Wisconsin in the summer and you know long days. And uh, but I had a really good time, and I I know some people had a, a really good time, but it was definitely a lot of hard work. And because of the budgetary constraints, it was like you know it. I think – and it was her first film, so um, then it went to post-production and she did a quick edit and I – you know, it it wasn't like this – you know, something like Foxcatcher where they spent like years on the editing, you know? Um,
1: so, so your, uh, your vision really didn't come to fruition because of all those limiting factors is, is kind of what you And you're it saying. wasn't
0: my original vision. It was like, I was like commissioned to write a story and I had a lot of fun and I thought it was cool. And, yeah. and it was a, you know, teenage girl, main character. And I love that.
1: Someone you related uh, to and the whole thing. Yep.
0: Yeah. So, so it was fun process, really neat experience, loved it. The movie's out on, on. Uh, Amazon now. Maybe it's on iTunes. Is, is and- that
1: falsely ac- accused?
0: Yeah, it's called falsely yeah. accused. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean it didn't, again, it didn't turn out how I would have expected. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so that's... That, that can kind, kind of
1: item, um, yeah. help us work our way towards Seneca because um, you know, I know Seneca Rebel is your first novel. Is, is the fact that you could, uh, in writing a novel um you know, kind of have more control in, in in the story you want to tell. Um you 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 know your vision is is gonna be on the page. It's this is this is this is your book. Is uh is is that kind of what inspired you to write a novel?
0: Yes. It was you know I was getting into a period of time in the film business where so many things that are getting made are based on source material. Mm-hmm. And um, whether that's a book or a song or a newspaper article or a toy, intellectual property, yeah, or <laughs> yeah, a toy or a, in a comic, bo- a board game. Uh, so my mind was going in that direction, and mm-hmm. then you know I had the idea for Seneca, and I became super fascinated by emerging technologies and futurism and yeah. Um, were what- you in-
1: were you into sci-fi as a, as a kid? Sci-fi your thing or?
0: Um, I mean, it comes not off really that as, way it loved, as a kid, I loved amazing stories and flight of the navigator. Yeah, yep. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, love it. Yep. Um, I want to rewatch ready. flight of the navigator.
1: It's been so long. My memories of it are so, so incredible. It just, that blew my mind.
0: No, yeah. it's like, oh, it's so great. That stairwell man.
1: like dripping off the, the, the ship. I just, I, I, I think of it to this day.
0: Yeah, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I love, yeah, I definitely love that kind of like leaving reality. Um, and so, you know, and then sci fi, yeah, I mean, I love The Matrix mm-hmm. and um, that kind of vibe. So, but I wanted to write something that was like a realistic sci fi. Like, this is what could happen based on where the future might. Yeah, Whoa. based
1: on current events and 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 trending outwards towards you know, towards where you are. I and mean, then, where do, when does it take place? How how far in the future is Seneca? Seneca, Well, there's
0: no year in the book. Great. I just right. have it yeah. in my head. You know, yeah, I want totally. to that up for. Interpretation
1: Allow the reader to decide for themselves. Um, it's, it's, it's not too far off by any means. Not
0: too far off. It's no. the near future. You know, yep. it's kind of like Bond. They call it like, what, 10 minutes in the future?
1: Yes, like, yep. yep. They don't
0: mean literally 10 minutes, yeah. but um, Seneca, Down yeah, I mean, you know, it's like I wanted to imagine the world that my kids will be in yeah. later on, you know, and um, so that's what Seneca is.
1: Yeah. What uh, So... And you chose to write a young adult novel. Was that a, that was a conscious choice based on you know your your fascination with with emerging technologies? Um, you know, you obviously when you have the idea of Seneca, you you had the idea of this this, this gripping adventure novel. Um, was so you purposely set out to write a young adult novel for that audience?
0: I set out to write this specific story with mm-hmm. this specific main character and I think because it was, it's, it's, you know there's no gratuitous violence or sex in it, it's um, a scene going on 17 year old girl, yep. it got categorized as a young adult Yeah. but to me that it's like you know it's wider than that So yeah, ab-
1: Absolutely, I've actually had many adults come up to me and be like I'm glad you know, uh I didn't shy away from the idea that it is marketed or it is thought of as a young adult novel. Cause it's, I mean, it's definitely something that could appeal to any age. I mean, my, my, my father loved it he, he told me to tell you how much he enjoyed it, but, uh, um, it's, it's definitely for all ages. No question.
0: Yeah, I, I hope so. Yeah. Um, that's the goal. And, and to be somewhat of a social commentary but without being so heavy-handed, yeah,
1: it's, it doesn't beat you on the head uh, with beat you over the head with it. But it definitely there is there is a warning in there. But that is that is something that um, one of the many things I love about Seneca Rebel is that it that it is not a dystopian novel. Things um, things aren't degraded and, and completely broken. But um, you know, but they they are on the verge. That that's for certain. That that was a conscious choice to to not entirely give over to the dystopian um you know sensibility
0: to me it is totally not dystopian that's
1: what i'm saying yeah it's not i can, not yeah, a I can
0: understand why somebody might identify it as that yeah because uh, of you know the way that the world is painted in the book um in the near future mm-hmm. um but I, I think to me it's much more of a realistic picture of what we're coming into and um it's not negative. It's not positive. What's yeah,
1: yeah, there's there's a hope. There's an underlying layer of hope that that still exists even within the most trying moments and or, or you know parts of the book. There, there's hope.
0: The, yeah, the hope. The hope is that it is what we make of it, yeah. and the future lies in the hands of our youth, and um, so we need to embrace that and and kind of move forward hmm. as a unit.
1: Yeah. Um, only, only together. I think. Can we? I think we should stop for just a moment and kind of, um, kind of just just pull back a little bit. And, and if you could, just for our listeners and briefly too, just I mean, we're not giving away. We don't want to give away much here, but what, um, can you just walk us into Seneca a little bit? What is what is uh, what is Seneca Rebel? What is what is the Seneca Society? Just just a little. I did actually. I re- I talked a little bit about uh, the premise and the, the themes in, in the beginning, but what. Uh, what 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 is Seneca? What's Seneca Rebel?
0: So, Doro is Seneca Rebel. Yep. The Seneca Society is the series. Yep. And Doro, so she is uh, Dorothy Campbell. She is a math genius, reluctantly. And she is recruited into uh, what she believes to be a reform school or what she what everybody believes to be a reform school she gets you know she's taken to the outskirts of washington dc in a place called great falls virginia which mm-hmm. is near where you and i both grew up that gorgeous, area gorgeous yeah it's um there's a lot going on in you know below the surface yeah in literally 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 yeah so this is a, a fiction version of what's going on below the surface mm-hmm. in this secret society that's extremely technologically advanced. There's a lot of you know um, advances in medicine that we don't see yet um, in America, in the world, but we know that people are working on, the scientists and, um, you know, even in... Entertainment technologies in mm-hmm. transportation. Uh, we, you hear about like the super fast train that's going to go from Los Angeles to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So let's take that even further, and and where flights are going to be. So basically, there's this this society that exists below the surface of the Earth, and um, nobody knows about it on in the aboves, which the sur- which you where call we live now. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so you get
1: there, I'm sorry to interrupt you right there, but like these, these Doro is chosen. She's one of the chosen ones, and so everyone else down there is the elite or chosen for a certain reason. Am I right about that? That's yes. So I wanted, I want to ask you. I know I've never, I don't, I, I'm. It's funny, I've never really asked you about that. Were you influenced, or, or, you know, when you were writing about this, was did you have in mind the whole, you know, Occupy Wall Street, the one percent? Because it sounds like a one percent situation where these these the elite are working towards the next future, while the others who aren't, um, you know, in Seneca in this in this subterranean world are left behind. Was there inspiration from for that the 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 uh, the elite society of today?
0: It's definitely a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Doro is kind of like a fighter on behalf of the 99% that believes everybody should have that. Mm -hmm. So the question is, does a teenage girl have what it takes to make that happen?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's the question. That's like, that's, that's, that's at the heart of the novel.
0: That's at the heart of the novel. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know for me yeah writing a strong female character protagonist is you know what I love and it's what I'll always do awesome. and um, we, need, we need
1: more of that really and Doro is a badass she's awesome
0: thank you I kind of like her too yeah.
1: do you uh did do you do you see or do you put some of yourself uh in her where's, where's Doro come from
0: some of myself, yeah, I think it's hard not to. I think I put right. some of myself in everyone's, you know, so I identify with them. Mm-hmm. But they're all completely different. Yeah. And um, Doro, you know, I'm not a math genius. Yeah. Um, and but I definitely have that rebellious spirit, you know, yeah. and um, curiosity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I was always told curiosity killed the cat. But I think people should be curious. Absolutely of that and I think you know curiosity
1: made the cat smarter is what it did
0: yeah it, it, right it
1: expanded the cat's life it didn't it didn't kill it
0: um so Doro yeah I mean it's kind of like realizing your potential and following through to make it make to make a difference
1: awesome and um no it's I mean it's got a, it's got a little little bit of everything and as far as there's I mean there's a there's it's it's rife with action and adventure there's 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 even a little bit of a love story there's political um you know drama involved it's 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 a tangle it's a nicely it's a it's a very delicately uh tangled web it's it's a wonderful story i I really hope uh hope you know anyone listening gives it a go it's awesome um so congrats on the book too that was really great job um can we talk a little bit about process. Um you know, many of our listeners are writers and uh I know they'd be curious to know, you know, how you brought this novel to life. How do um how do you write? When do you write?
0: Well, you know, it started with the idea for what the Seneca Society was mm-hmm. and who and thinking about the character or who is gonna be going into this world and, and building her Doro. And then what I started to do was write my outline, um, based very closely on the save the cat structure, which is a screenwriting process. But there is like, that you can read about how save the cat applies to novel writing. Um, which is kind of funny because whenever I would talk to my, my agent, who's a book agent, and she's Chris Tomasino, she's been like, you know, working on books for a long time. And, Mm -hmm. um, She's amazing at it. And she's, you know, so whenever I would talk to her, I'd be like, well, in the scene, because I refer to everything as scenes.
1: <laughs> she's like, there's no like, scenes
0: here. <laughs> and I'd be like, well, in the act break, she's like, act break. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> so it was like trying to like, you know, it's like lost in translation. There. Yeah. Um, but, and I'm still going to refer to them as scenes. That's just, I can't.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I know a lot of people who do that, who write cinematically and just, it, it helps with visual, visualization as well. Um, I totally get that.
0: Do you see that when you read the book, too. This, you know, the I'm like, I really try and inject the visuals into it, yeah. like hardcore. Um, so yeah, I mean, outlining really tight outline before I start writing, before, before
1: you even put pen, uh, pen yeah. to pen just a and series, then, okay, um,
0: and a lot of research onto the technologies I'm gonna use mm-hmm. and, and making sure they're accurate and 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 reading and you know and i go to the library and i and i call people that are experts in certain things yeah. and, you know and
1: so you do you them. do your homework by the time you're able to sit down that might that's kind of the fun part
0: yeah like there's like a scene, like a scene in the book a chapter um, where <laughs> you know there's blood drawn by a needle yes. and i wanted that to be so accurate and mm-hmm. so i um, But also have a little bit of a future feel. So I, you know, communicated with two friends and one friend that's in medicine and Mm -hmm. one cousin that's a nurse to make sure, you know, had them check it out. Yeah. So that's kind of like what I go through when I'm writing it. And then at the end, hand it out to people that have always read my material, my screenplays and give me notes and um, get back notes, which I love. Yeah. Do you? Yeah, I love notes. Mm-hmm.
1: It's good. I mean, yeah, you have to learn to. Uh, it, it took me a little bit uh, of time early, early on to get used to critique. But uh, the fact that you love it—that's that's that's. I mean, that's half the battle. Just to embrace it and, and know that people are trying to help with your project instead of beat you down. You know.
0: Absolutely, it makes you know your writing so much stronger, and um, it makes the piece that much stronger. So. Absolutely. Yeah, go through
1: that, and then um, there you go. That's it. Awesome. Uh, um, let's talk. I, I want to get to this. The uh, one of the things that that drew me to the project, besides you know the story, your passion, um, was the one of the ideas, and just at the forefront, uh, right in the beginning, when, when when everything was getting set in motion, you had this big idea. Uh, of an expanded world of Seneca and um, you know I remember being wrapped up in in, in when you were telling me about how you, how how much you wanted to take the fiction off the page and make it tangible and it, it just it was something that was so inspiring to me and um, you know that really drew me to the project so can you tell us a little bit about this, this uh, bringing the fiction off the page
0: yeah absolutely so Basically, yeah. I mean, working in film and television mm-hmm. and writing and knowing that things are going online and that millennials and, and beyond want to devour content at like this in really – just so much of it. They want so much when somebody becomes in love with something. They want everything. It's like you know Game of Thrones, and you can go online and you can, you know, read about the families and their relationships and see like the who's tied to who, and so it's deeper than just watching the show or reading the book. Yeah, you know?
1: there's something so special, and I think that's what you created too. Was uh, with sometimes when I finish a book, there's this this, this devastating feeling, and I want more, right. and, You know, and and. Like the a the idea, book hangover. you have a huge book hangover, and especially something that's sci-fi related or a little bit nerdy. I'm, I'm always, a, you know, I'm a self-professed nerd, and the deeper I can dig into something, the the the, the better. And I feel like you you um, you have given it to us through you know through the websites. I will let you explain a little bit about it but through the websites and everything else you did.
0: So the cover of the book uh-huh. um, has a code on it. Uh, which you know uh, yeah
1: I do know but I, I have never discovered it I know you always ask me did you see it yet you see it yet I, yeah. you, you, you
0: gotta crack that code gotta crack I mean, the code. it's not easy yep. but it can't be done yep and, and what it's is that like of I think what it requires like a think tank like I think if like a uh, uh, freshman uh, math class yeah you know? gets
1: together and looks With at the AP, cover
0: AP math class AP, in high
1: school <laughs> not a all sat one. together
0: and it's like whoever gets this is gonna win something yeah Someone's going to get it.
1: What and, and, um, but, and, and when they, when they crack the code, what happens?
0: So when they crack the code, they're going to uncover a website that goes deeper into the fiction. Yep. And um, so Seneca, you know, it's, it's this secret society and inside it, there's an intranet. And, um, are you know, speaking to people that don't know, haven't read the book there, there's a group in the book called the Seneca observation intelligence league. It's basically like the FBI or the, the CIA on steroids it's like you know they have um much greater capabilities and they're much more intense and much more secretive Mm -hmm. and you know you can get into some of their uh it's like you're cracking into their website when you go on there but you can also read you so one of the things that they have is a watch list and Doro ends up on the watch list so you can see like her a site that she has where it's like you know Artwork of her dog, and um,
1: it's it's like her her homepage. In some yeah, way. like yeah.
0: lyrics she loves of like you know music, mm-hmm. and um, there's some some like for example like made up lyrics, like a, a totally fiction futuristic Adele song,
1: right? Yeah. Is not she a but big Nirvana fan too?
0: Huge Nirvana yeah. fan, and. Um, so there's like there's actual music, there's, yeah. there's music, but then there's like actually a character that exists online. One of the other people on the watch list is uh, Thomas Nast, yeah. who's who you're very familiar yeah, with yeah. Um, and helped create. Yeah. Uh, he is a conspiracy theorist that exists only online and not in the book. I love that.
1: I love that. There's, a, there's characters outside of the book within this world.
0: Yeah. So, um, I won't say much more about Yeah,
1: please. That, that's that's something so fun. Totally and I love go. that. Like this website, cause there's, there is another Seneca website I'll talk about in a second, but like this one, it's, it's truly for, you know, it's, it's, it's something that's going to be so exciting for, for a fan of the novel and novels eventually to stumble upon. And really there is, you know, what Ray just described is really the tip of the iceberg. What, which is what is there. It's, it's, it's one, it's, incredible website but there also is um one that's available now and that uh, we could point you to senecasociety.com and uh there there's a whole you know whole other array of things that that are bringing the fiction uh off the page
0: yeah there's um a jewelry line designed by charlotte cruz and it's in the same in, in the iconic color palette of seneca with the blue and the gold and mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's really I mean a lot of hexagons you know which are like the you know to play off the compounds yeah and the cover of the book where the code is and um, the you know the science that plays a huge part in the book in mm-hmm. the series
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, which will all you know come out. Over
1: the course of three books, yeah. Um, oh, so it's a, a, I was like that's kind of where I'm going too. It's kind of what's next. It's, so it's a, you, you have a trilogy in mind.
0: I mean, I have a series in mind, and I have three books mapped out. And Great. like I go and go, and you know, I could you know do a TV series or film, but yeah, um, it's definitely
1: something. I mean, we were talking about how it's cinematically um, uh, written, and um, it is something you want to see on the screen. It, right? I mean, it's it's it seems so perfect for that.
0: Yeah, I would love to.
1: Yeah, that's, that's 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 definitely make that happen. What about um? You're working on book two right now, right?
0: Yeah, I'm working on book two. How's it about going? Five, five chapters in or so.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, it's it's going good. You know, it's a lot of it's. Uh, I went to Peru in the summertime to do some research on, um, you know, because some of the book takes place down there. Yeah. And um, Doro sets off to see if she can find her dad.
1: Oh, cool. Which he's, you can tell, and in, uh, in, in this is not giving away anything away because it, it happens early in the book, is that, that, that he even, you know, without him, his involvement, is a central figure to some bigger story that you have in mind. It's, it just seems so apparent and, and from my point of view.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um, hopefully, I mean, she, so there's no, there's no proof that he's alive or that he's there, but, um, based on some clues she finds, she decides that that's what she needs to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we should almost leave it right there before we we dig too Mm -hmm. much into it. So, uh, just, um, so the listener knows there is, we went ahead and on across the margin, um, this was another uh, idea Raya had initially. She really wanted to do this. We have the first eighteen chapters uh, available, and so you can go there and get a listen, uh, get a read, uh, get to read the first eighteen chapters—a kind of a try before you buy type thing. So that that still exists at uh, across the margin and um, in the books out there. It's uh, I'll definitely be providing links um, with with
0: of ours by Mast Brothers. Yes.
1: Yep. Ex- I will have. You can get those at uh, Mass Brothers. Um, Seneca Rebel bars are both at Senecasociety.com. Um, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna have a bunch at the Brooklyn Book Festival um, that I mentioned in the intro. That's this Sunday, uh, so they're out there. And um, it's like I said, there's just so much uh, to grab onto with this novel and and the future novels and the whole thing. So I, it's I I gotta say I'm def- I'm, I'm as a friend, uh, I couldn't be more proud of you with this novel, and I've, I've been—I've been so proud to be a part as the uh, you know, uh, be a part of the project as 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 its publisher mm-hmm. and just someone we, who, who's worked with you uh, along this whole journey. And and, and just like uh, Doro's journey has just begun, I really believe so is yours as an author and as an author to this series. So, um, bravo!
0: Thank you very much. I'm excited, I'm excited to see, you know, how, how we continue to do this thing and dive deeper into the expanded fiction. Yeah,
1: I think, I think there's a lot of writers who, um, and I've, I've, I've heard this from a lot of writers I deal with, and, and they were, they've been impressed by your vision and just how, you know, an ordinary release was just not good enough, and like, with all the different means, all the, all the, all the different platforms that exist now, there's so many different ways to tell a story, and and utilizing all the different technologies right now is something that, um, that, that you and, and we together are, I really, really feel we're doing in a novel way. And it's pre- it's pretty awesome.
0: I mean, and we're super fortunate cause we have these, you know, uh, no mimes media, um, yeah. Steve Benham and they're like transmedia story world builders yep. and they read the book and they were like all about it. And, and it, it was, it's a huge process. It's like, it's it's like writing the book is its own huge process. And then building the story world online is another entire separate huge process. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. It adds so much to it. I mean, just, just, I, you know, when people finish the novel and I was able to steer them different things like, Oh, you thought that was cool. Check this, check this. Yeah. And we, you know, we have this and the whole thing. It just, it's, it's, there's so much more fun to be had, not that writing a book and releasing isn't fun, but like it's, it's, you can take it to, to new levels now. And I think it's, 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 it wouldn't be surprising to me if that almost becomes a norm. Like it's not good enough just to have, just to have your book out there. What, you know, what else can you, what else can you show me? So it's, it's, I think that's so much fun. It's fun. That's the point really.
0: Yeah. I think it's going to be the norm too. Mm-hmm. I really do.
1: So. Um, so uh, hey, will you come back and discuss uh, when when book two is done? Can we talk about about it on Beyond the Margin?
0: For sure, you
1: have to. Well, we'd love to have you. And if you're ever at East Coast, just just stop by and we'll we'll talk in person. But thank you so much for coming on. I was real. I've been real excited for uh, for our listeners to kind of hear more about you as as an author of because uh, we're always talking about Seneca Rebel. Um, I'm I'm glad they got to uh, get to know you a little bit. So thanks so much.
0: Thank you for everything.
1: All right. Thanks, Ray. Okay. Bye. Bye.